Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to find your Bibles and uh, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Let's thank the worship team for leading us in worship this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. So good to see you. And uh, God is good. All the time. All right. You're supposed to say, all, when I say all the time, God is good. We'll try that one more time. God is good. All the time. All the time. All, the time. all right. Amen. Let's look into the Word of God. And let me remind everyone, this is a supernatural book. It is a supernatural book. God said, I will honor my word even over the names you were singing. It's a supernatural book. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Hallelujah. So good to see you this morning. God bless you. Now upon, this is verse 1, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So there was a small entourage that had come to the sepulcher, and they found the stone rolled away. I got a text very early this morning while I was up doing my devotions, and it was from Jerusalem. I have a dear friend that lives in Jerusalem, and every Easter, he goes to the tomb, and he sent me a text. He's not here. He is risen. <laughs> and I, I thanked him for sending me. I love to get that every Easter from him. Amen. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, two angels. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Wow. Remember how he spake that to you? When he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 8 says, Oh, they remembered his words. You may be seated. The foundation of this weekend began 3,200 years ago, Passover. God's people are in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. They're in slavery. They're in bondage. And 3,200 years ago, God says, I'm going to deliver my people. But they're going to have to do some things. I'm going to establish, and I believe the scripture supports this. They came out at midnight. But they're going to have to establish the importance of the blood. The importance of blood being shed. 
And they're going to have to take a lamb, slay the lamb, and everyone that puts the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of their home, and writers have written that the way the blood dripped when it was on there was forming a cross. Even your pine trees, all of creation is shouting something right now. The pine trees have the crosses on, if you've noticed, but as they're blooming out. But the blood had to be applied to the household, and everywhere there was blood, the angel of death passed over. But everywhere there was not blood, the firstborn was taken. You see, God's a God of the first. He requires the first. And, and so everywhere there was blood, the angel passed over. And, and so the Israelites put the blood, and at midnight, God brings them out of Egypt because blood was slain and blood was applied, and he wanted deliverance. I'm here to say to fallen mankind, to people who are struggling spiritually, it's still about the blood. We've got to have what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When death entered into human history in the Garden of Eden, so entered sin, sickness, disease, infirmity, all of that came because of the Garden of Eden. And uh, because of that, there had to be an atonement. And God planned to show mankind something that was so important that for your sins to be washed away, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages, the payment of sin is So death begins when we embrace sin, death begins to work in our members, the Bible says, in our physical bodies. Death starts working. The way to reverse that trend is get the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in our lives. Embrace the blood. Embrace the cross. Embrace the finished work of Christ. And so 3,200 years ago, God set forth the Passover. Fast forward 1,200 of those 32, and you have Jesus preparing to go to the cross. Where was Jesus born? Everybody say Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the place where all of the sacrificial lambs for the temple in Jerusalem, where all of the sacrificial lambs came from Bethlehem. So God fulfills every jot, tittle, every part of the word of God. Jesus had to come from Bethlehem. That's where the final sacrifice would be made in the temple, but the lamb had to come. And so Jesus, on Passover night, and I'll fast forward just a little bit, he's seated with his disciples on Passover night, and he's eating the Passover meal. And the meat they partake of on Passover is lamb. If you go to an Orthodox home, and we've been there many times and, uh, and had the Passover meal with them, and I'm telling you, they eat lamb. And, 
And so they're eating lamb. Jesus is eating lamb on Thursday night. Watch this. The lamb was eating lamb. The lamb of God was eating lamb. I, God just fulfilled everything so powerfully. But last Sunday was Palm Sunday. That's the Sunday of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But Jesus, knowing that Friday was coming, he was very intentional, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. How many of us live that intentional with our lives? He knew Friday was coming. He knew the cross was coming. And so everything he said and did in the scriptures, I, I think that's pretty important. I need to take note of that. And, uh, and, and so he begins teaching some things that I, I just want to highlight very briefly and very quickly. On Monday, he emphasizes the barren fig tree, that he goes up to a fig tree and inspects that fig tree, and, uh, and he finds a lot of leaves but no fruit. I want you to know that at the end of your life, the same master is inspecting us, and we need to be producing fruit. Come on. Everybody say amen. We need to be producing fruit that's going to last, fruit for the kingdom of God. And so he talks about the fig tree. He talks about faith in those four days, mountain-moving faith. He goes into the temple. He cleanses the temple. I'm thinking right before he's executed, he goes into the temple and he says, all of this shouldn't be taking place in my house. My father's house is a house of prayer for people of all nationalities. Somebody say amen. amen. And he cleanses the temple. I want you to know that our churches need to be cleansed. Sometimes we can allow a lot of stuff that don't need to be going on in the house of God. But listen to me. Our bodies are the temple of God. Amen? Paul said that in the New Testament. You are the temple of God. And so he teaches on the temple and cleansing the temple. He teaches on forgiveness, how much, how important is forgiveness. He teaches on the householder and good stewardship. He teaches on money, giving, resurrection. He teaches on love. He teaches even in his last days. Before his crucifixion, he teaches on end-time events. As I'm pouring over the, the, the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, I'm just looking at Jesus. This must have been very important to you because in your last hours, you are teaching some things to people. Your disciples are going to carry your message around the world. And you're getting them on mission, which in the Bible is called commission. We have a great commission. Amen? And so he's preparing all of that. He eats the Passover meal, and then he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. Go with us next March. We're taking a group to Israel, and go to the Garden of Gethsemane with us. It's one of the most moving spiritual experiences. But Judas encounters him there and betrays him. Then he's brought before the high priest. He's condemned to death by the religious leaders. Did you hear what I said? The religious leaders first condemned him. Religion still will kill Jesus. 
That's why we don't need religion. We need a relationship. We need a relationship with a risen Savior. But the Roman government killed him. Jesus is scourged with a brutal instrument, much like this right here. It was called a cat of nine tails, woven in the strands or bone and metal. And as they leashed and released that against the back and the sides of Jesus, it was just tearing flesh. And uh, it, it was, they, not many people even survived the beating from a, a scourging, a flogging like this. But he, he was, had a crown of thorns that was placed on his head. He was beaten. His beard was plucked out. I told people in the early service, I said, all of you men, reach up and just grab a few hairs and pull them out of that beard. <laughs> I don't even like to pull one. <laughs> but but uh, can you imagine just those Roman soldiers just grabbing Jesus? The insults they derided him with. And he never vacillated. All week long, he's on mission. He's living on mission. No matter what is happening around him, he's on mission. He is beaten, and finally, he's sentenced to carry his cross to Golgotha. Simon the Serene was enjoined to help Jesus carry that cross. And I thought, Lord, I've, I've read this all my life about Simon. I want to study him this week. And I looked it up and began to study Simon. He was from Cyrene, which today is the modern Libya. He was from northern Africa. The Roman soldiers grabbed a, a man from northern Africa and said, help him carry the cross. But I want you to know, Jesus had already, with a bloodied back, oozing blood, he had already been carrying that cross so that when Simon picked up that cross, there was blood on it, but not just any blood. The blood of Jesus was on that cross, and it got, had to have got on Simon. Can you imagine a man encountering the very blood of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God? as he helps Jesus carry that cross. Jesus is put on that cross, and they crucified him. The cross was cruel and horrible death, and I don't have time to go there, but his life was not taken from him. No man can kill God. Listen, people can't kill God today. They can pretend like he doesn't exist, but everybody's got a day when we stand before him. Everybody. And I got to help people get ready for that day. That's part of all of our commission. But I'm telling you, he didn't, have, he laid his life down freely. Freely. It was not taken from him. He could have called 10,000 angels. To destroy the world and set us free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. He laid his life down. It was not taken from him. 
Hallelujah. He says it's finished. The plan of salvation is now complete. Jesus on the cross. The tomb. The body was taken down. And the four gospels record this, that Joseph of Arimathea, and they put comma, a rich man gave his grave, his newly hewn grave for Jesus to be buried in. And uh, we, we go to that uh, Gordon's Calvary and we go to, there are two celebrated places where the crucifixion and the, uh, the resurrection uh, had to have taken places. And we go to Gordon's Calvary because you can get in there and you can look and there's a tomb. And uh, we were there about three years ago and I was coming out of the tomb and uh, Wilfredo de Jesus, uh, who will be preaching next Sunday on our 45th anniversary, pastored uh, one of the largest churches in America, 25,000 people on Sundays. And uh, he called me. He says, where are you? I said, I'm in the tomb in Jerusalem. He said, well, come out of there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> come out. <laughs> but uh, he'll be preaching for us next week. But uh, Jesus said it's finished. And he's put in a tomb that Joseph of Arimathea loaned. I want you to know Jesus didn't need it for more than three days. <laughs> he just borrowed it. What are you loaning Jesus? What has he put in your life that belongs to him that can be a blessing to mankind and help people? Joseph loaned a tomb. They took the body down. They wrapped the body. They rolled a stone in front of the entrance. They put a Roman seal. They set a guard. Pilate gives the order, make the, stone, make the grave secure. There was a governmental seal, there was a religious seal, there was a military seal, there was a seal of unbelief, there was a satanic seal, and finally there was a seal of death. But I want you to know that those seals did not keep Jesus in the grave. Hallelujah. Then came Sunday. That's why we're here today. You know, all they had to do was produce a dead body. They could have silenced Christianity for the ages, but they couldn't do it. There was a body that was alive. Now, I'm going to share some things along that. But Paul says, if, our, if Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. But now is Christ risen, and he's become the first fruits of all them that sleep. Over the last two and a half years, I've preached hundreds and maybe four or five hundred funerals over my 45 years here. A lot of funerals. But over the last three years, a lot of funerals. And I'm telling you, when you can preach a funeral where you know that a person was right with God and that you know where they are, that they believed in the Lordship of Christ and that... Listen, the Bible says even the devils believe. So it's not just enough to have a head knowledge of Jesus. It goes back to that word I used a few minutes ago, 
relationship with Jesus. There's got to be a personal relationship. Every morning, my wife and I get up and we do our devote. First thing we do, I make her a big pot of coffee. And we do our devotions. And we begin just looking into the word and just building that relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants a relationship with each and every person. That's why he came. That's why he hung on that cross. But I want you to know, then came Sunday. The evidence of his resurrection is not just a few verses of scripture. Josh McDowell wrote a book. If you really want to study this out, it's entitled Evidence That Demands a Verdict. If you really want to study all that was in place, spend some time. Uh, it, it's a great spiritual education, but I'm telling you, there was too much evidence to deny that Jesus had come out of that grave. He was seen by too many people after the resurrection. They couldn't produce a dead body because he was a living Savior. At one time, he was seen by 500 men. He came out of that grave victorious over death, hell, and grave. Remember when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Now, he raised a number of people laying the groundwork for his own resurrection uh, during his ministry. But when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he had to say, Lazarus, come forth. It is surmised if he hadn't called him by name, there would have been a lot of graves opening up. But Lazarus came forth. I'm here to declare that Jesus came out of that tomb. And I want the worship team to come to the platform. When Jesus came out of that tomb, if you'll read the scriptures, watch this. When he came out of that tomb, the Bible says, many who had already died and were in their graves came out of the graves. That's an amazing thing. They began to walk into Jerusalem. Can you imagine? Some people surmise it was several thousand people. Some writers and, and uh, commentaries. Can you imagine several thousand people or even several hundred people who the city of Jerusalem, they've, somebody had to have known these people. And they're out of the grave and they're walking into Jerusalem. What kind of stir would that make? Wow. <laughs> but Christ became the first fruits of all them that sleep. I want you to know it is appointed unto men once to die, but then the judgment. There's coming a resurrection morning. And as our Savior came out of that grave victorious, as our Savior came out of that tomb, there's a resurrection that's going to take place. Amen. And the dead in Christ shall rise. Everybody say first. That just doesn't mean sleepy Christians on a pew somewhere in a church today. It's talking about spiritually dead. That means people that have not understood that their, their sin. You see, nails didn't. I, I watched it again this week. They nailed Jesus on the cross. 
Nails didn't hold him to that cross. I kept thinking that while I was watching this. Nails didn't hold him. His love for humanity is what held him up. How much he loves each and every one of us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to take that card that you have. We're going to be dismissed in just a couple minutes here. It's just before 12. I want everybody to take out that card that was on the seat where you were. The best thing you can do on Resurrection Sunday is to make some kind of spiritual commitment of faith, number one, in Christ. Don't put your faith in a preacher. Don't put your faith in a church. Put your faith in Jesus. I want to point you to Jesus. That's why I'm here. That's the message. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. And I want you to indicate on this card. Number one, if you're not where you ought to be with Christ, listen, you've got to be born again to go to heaven. The devils know there's a Jesus. They believe there's a Jesus. That's not enough. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Everybody say amen. And I want every person in this room and the many that are watching online, the many that are watching, I want you to indicate. I just think it'd be a great thing on Resurrection Sunday 2022, an indication of some spiritual progress you're going to try to set in order. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to help you with a prayer in just a moment. And if you pray that prayer, I want you to record that. I'm committing my life to Christ today. But certainly, every one of us need to be renewing. I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. I try to do that every day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. When you open your eyes in the morning, the first thing, you need to say, thank you, God, for another day. Amen? Be thankful. Live a thankful life. Hallelujah. That's infectious. Amen. That's contagious. Living a thankful life. Why don't you just say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody say it. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to make a commitment at some level. If you've got a prayer request down there, write it down there because I'm telling you, we pray over these. If you need water baptism, if you need to get connected, if you're renewing your commitment to Christ, you know, that's what this is. It's all a spiritual journey. I have talked to so many people over the last three weeks. I've been very intentional. Just talking to people I don't know. I just walk up to people and just start... You know, talking to them, trying to help people connect and understand we are spiritual beings. And I got to help you get closer 
to the one that really matters. Amen. Hey, I could look, I'm just looking across, and I see so many stories. I see so many stories. Lives that have been changed. Souls that have been saved. People that were headed the wrong direction. But Jesus, who is risen from the dead, stepped into their life, gave a meaning of life. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many of you have experienced that life-giving of Jesus? Wow, 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 wow. Nurture that. And for anyone under pastor's voice that you've not made a consecration, I want to lead everybody in a prayer. And uh, I want you to stand now. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Come on, I want everybody to pray out loud. Don't be a secret shopper. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I repent of my sins. And you said you are faithful and just to forgive us. I receive you into my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you and let my light shine to my world around me. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give a big praise to the Lord. Hallelujah.